This is the Good News Report, where we look past the fear-mongering of the establishment media to hear of all of the victories being won on a daily basis. Let's begin. Hey guys, welcome back to the Good News Report. We are jumping straight into the Children's Health Defense, who issued a lawsuit this past week alleging that California's medical board is still trying to discipline doctors for spreading C-19, quote-unquote, misinformation. Uh, I don't even know if you can say the full word anymore, but C-19 is what we're going to roll with and you know exactly what I'm saying. For anyone who doesn't know, the Children's Health Defense, or CHD, is an organization and now even kind of like a news outlet. It's an advocacy organization that Robert Kennedy Jr., or RFK Jr., set up. And really, it came to prominence during the global lockdowns. So he has been keeping up not only with issues having to do, anything and everything really having to do with health and wellness, from legal challenges that his organization, like this legal challenge that we're going to discuss, is issuing against governments or against organizations, branches of the government, etc. But also they're advocating in favor of some really good things. If you go to their website, it really, really fantastic content. And it opens your eyes to what's kind of happening in the world with regards to agriculture, health and wellness, food, pollution. So many different things are all right there. So I encourage you to go look at that website. That being said, this lawsuit, which was filed in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of California, it's it's a follow-up to a previous complaint that was filed in 2022 and as well as an amended suit that was filed earlier in 2023. Both of these actually challenged an assembly bill, number 2098, which established that doctors who give false information about C-19 to patients were engaging in unprofessional conduct, which could subject them to disciplinary action by two different medical boards in California. Now, a federal judge had blocked the law early in 2023, and the bill quietly died in September of the same year when lawmakers passed California's Senate Bill 815, which contained a clause repealing this previous Assembly Bill 2098. However, according to the suit that was filed by CHD this past week, California's medical board is still targeting C-19 misinformation, and physicians are still being intimidated and threatened with disciplinary action, even though Assembly Bill 2098 was repealed. So the only difference is that now the investigations and public threats are based on the quote-unquote general standard of care statute. According to this lawsuit, however, the Medical Board of California in 2023 disciplined at least one physician for this, sharing information, opinions, and recommendations with a patient about the C-19 vaccine, including her opinion that the vaccine was associated with increased miscarriages, which has been proven to scientifically be true. And according to this doctor who was targeted by the medical board, she said this, quote, a few weeks ago, the doctor agreed to surrender her medical license. So the California board now has its first scalp in the C-19 misinformation wars. But if all goes to plan, it will be its last. So according to the lawsuit, the California legislature and the California Medical Board signaled their intent to continue pursuing disciplinary actions against doctors for quote-unquote misinformation, even though this bill was in the process at the time of being repealed. The lawsuit alleges also that California's Assemblyman 
Evan Lowe, who's a Democrat from Silicon Valley, which was one of the Assembly Bill 2098 sponsors. Again, that was the bill that sought to have disciplinary action for any medical professional who was seeking to provide comprehensive information to patients about the C-19 vaccines. He stated that the Medical Board of California would continue to maintain the authority to hold medical licensees accountable for deviating from the standard of care and misinforming their patients about C-19 treatments. So why is this good news? One, you have birthed out of a really devastating point in time in global history, the global lockdowns. You have organizations like Children's Health Defense standing up and holding governments accountable And the United States is a very unique country because it is a republic. It's meant to be the people who are in charge. But there's been this flip where over decades of erosion of the rights and freedoms of the citizens of America, the voices of Americans are no longer as strong as they once used to be in the governmental realm. And so now you have organizations like CHD who are amplifying the voices of Americans and holding governments to account. And they're finding all these loopholes. They've done a very good job at structuring their organization to find the loopholes of how the governments are trying to, even though they repeal a bill like Assembly Bill 2098, they're still trying to utilize Senate Bill 815 to carry on with the same mission that the previous AB bill had. So the fact that they're finding these loopholes, exposing them, and then legally holding them to account is something that we can be very grateful for because they're utilizing the influence that they now have to, to protect the rights of American citizens. And that's something that I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for also, but also with this court case. It's also going to potentially help doctors who desire to give full counsel to their patients to be able to have that ability back and for them to be able to fully practice medicine as they see fit. So this is something that I'm actually quite quite pleased about. Next up, we have New Hampshire, who has become the second state to start the process of banning or at least changing laws around atmospheric aerosol spraying, or some people call it cloud seeding, other people call it chemtrails, whatever have you. People think I'm crazy for believing this, but people are starting to to wake up to this. So Texas last year made history when its representatives looked into changing the law to ban atmospheric aerosol spraying. Now New Hampshire is following in her footsteps with House Bill 1700, which establishes this, a regulatory process to prevent the intentional release of polluting emissions in New Hampshire's atmosphere and at ground level and provides penalties for violations. This bill requires reports of such violations to be made by state officials, members of the public, which is very important, to the Department of Environmental Services, Air Resources Division of Compliance, and requires New Hampshire's county sheriffs to enforce the provisions. Now, what are these emissions? They include, like I said, cloud seeding, weather modification, excessive electromagnetic radio frequency and microwave radiation, stratospheric aerosol injections, that's a a really popular one, SAIs, solar radiation modification, SRMs, and other forms of geoengineering. So each and every one of these impact health and wellness, as well as safety. Um, It's not only about the environment, it's about wildlife, it's about human health, agriculture, aviation, state security, it involves everything. And so 
I'm not going to get too much into it today, but the fact that we're seeing states actually acknowledge, one, that this is occurring because it has been occurring for a very long time, just more intensively over the last decade or so. And for many people, they're like, this is fake. This is so fake. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I once, do, I once was there too. But when you see government officials or individuals like the former CIA director, John Brennan, who, who said this, quote, a method of seeding the stratosphere with particles that can help reflect the sun's heat is much in much the same way that volcanic eruptions do. An SAI program could limit global temperature increases, reducing some risks associated with higher temperatures and providing the world economy additional time to transition from fossil fuels. This process is also relatively inexpensive. And he said this during a Council on Foreign Relations conference. So just like the Weather Modification Act that the U.S. government passed back in the 70s, this thing is, is very real. So to see state ban procedures, processes, things like SAIs or SRMs, very important because it impacts every single one of us on a daily basis because it impacts us on a daily basis from how much we see the sun or how much rain we get. Again, I said it impacts agriculture, wildlife. God, God gave us the sun and the moon and the stars for a reason. He gave us night and day for a reason. Same goes for the seasons. Same goes for like we're having an El Nino year where it's warmer as opposed to how it usually is. And people decry this now as like climate change. It's not. It's just consistent weather patterns. Climate consistently changes, which is not a bad thing. In order to build an entire industry around climate change and fear mongering and then the restriction of human rights for the sake of the environment, so many different things. Governments have pushed this lie that the climate changing is actually bad. God created the earth. He said, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest will remain. He he put the stars in the sky. As trying to play God in any kind of way is going to produce negative ramifications. So all that to say, I'm very happy, very pleased. Whether this bill goes through or not, the fact that a state legislature is actually moving in this direction and actually has a bill on the floor is important because when I looked into the Texas case, the headlines were wrong. It was totally misleading. They said that Texas had been the first state to actually outright ban cloud seeding. Not true. Not true at all. There was a petition from an environmental group put forward before the government that they should do this, whereas New Hampshire actually took the step forward. So happy to see it nonetheless. Next up, we have a federal appeals court who blocked Biden's attempt to force Texas emergency rooms and hospitals to commit abortions. Back in 2022, I believe it was, Biden's administration told hospitals that the government would withhold Medicare funds from them unless they performed abortions whenever it was, quote unquote, necessary stabilizing treatment. This is complete hogwash. For those of you who aren't really super engaged in the pro-life sphere or you don't know a lot about abortion, there is so much rhetoric around the issue where in policy, abortion is pushed most often nowadays to protect the health of the mother, but abortion is never actually medically necessary. And one of the, one of the loopholes in language that no one really discusses when they say, for example, that abortion is medically necessary sometimes for a woman and therefore it should be legal. One of the legal justifications in all that language is that a woman 
You could have ADHD or ADD, whatever it may be. And she says that because she has ADHD, therefore it's a medical issue, she should therefore be permitted to have an abortion. Having a child in ADHD, where it doesn't make sense. So there's always these, these words, these terms, this lingo and language that pro-abortion politicians and advocates use at nauseum. And like we see here, Biden wanted to force doctors to perform abortions, even if it was against their own conscience, if it was quote-unquote necessary stabilizing treatment. Pregnancy is not a disease. Pregnancy is actually incredibly healthy for women to go through for the whole of her body. And so to see Biden going in this direction using this rhetoric, typical, totally typical politician, but the courts have recognized that that doctors and hospitals in general should not be required to commit abortions and that Biden cannot withhold Medicare funds from them. So thank you to the federal court for just doing your job because even nowadays with the judicial system in America, well, judicial system globally, really, but there's so much corruption and there's so much bias now. Some courts have become so politicized and that's not all courts. There's just some activist judges. Those are dangerous. I don't care. You you have some Democrat judges who are really good because they just follow the Constitution. You have some bad ones. Same thing goes for Republican judges. Like, it doesn't matter. As long as you stick to the Constitution, the law of the land, that's what you uphold as you're the, the most valuable thing, which you're supposed to do as a judge. I'm all in favor. And this ruling was a good one. So thank you to the court. Next up, Florida's state surgeon general has called for a halt in the use of C-19 vaccines due to safety concerns that the mRNA technology is delivering DNA contaminants into people's cells. This is kind of a big deal. In a statement he released, he said that the FDA, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, failed to adequately respond to questions that he had raised about the issue in the letter that he had sent last month to the FDA and the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So Florida's Surgeon General, he had asked these agencies, the CDC and the FDA, to address the recent discovery of host cell DNA fragments in both the Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccines. Now the issue was when scientists were studying these vaccines and found bacterial DNA was left over from the microscopic plasmids that were used from multiplying DNA in the manufacturing process. One of the gene therapy tools discovered in these vaccines is SV40, which is very well known to be cancer promoting. And the Surgeon General's letter said that the presence of these fragments was particularly concerning, obviously, given that the mRNA shots used lipid nanoparticles, which he said were, quote-unquote, an efficient vehicle for delivery of mRNA in the C-19 vaccines into human cells and may therefore be an equally efficient vehicle for delivering contaminant DNA into human cells. I personally didn't see that one coming, but they're going after these companies still, so I'm happy about that. He also asked the agencies to explain whether the risks of contaminant DNA being integrated into human cells had been assessed per the agency's own guidelines, especially given the new risk factors introduced by the use of lipid nanoparticles. And of course, the FDA's response by Peter Marks <laughs> reiterated that 
The FDA was very confident in the quality, safety, and effectiveness of the vaccines. Of course they were. They don't want to get in trouble further to what they already are. And Marks from the FDA also gave a ton of excuses that there's this long parade of misinformation and disinformation about vaccines that's increasing vaccine hesitancy. Well, no duh. After everything that the government has done, there should be a help. Having a healthy distrust of government is good. Having a healthy distrust of big pharma or big food or big chem, it's, it's all healthy. And in response to the FDA, Florida Surgeon General said this, Quote, the FDA's response does not provide data or evidence that the DNA integration assessments they recommended themselves have been performed. Kind of a key phrase there. Instead, they pointed to genotoxicity studies, which are inadequate assessments for DNA integration risk. And there's so much more that was said by the Surgeon General about this. But again, not only do you have private organizations like CHD that we talked about at the top of this, but you also have government officials like Florida Surgeon General still holding people to account for abusing their power and authority in society and seeking out answers because whenever there's a whenever there's a crisis, there's always going to be people taken advantage of. And during the global lockdowns, I don't like saying global pandemic, but the global lockdowns, people en masse were taken advantage of. So to see that there are still individuals, not just in government, but outside of it as well, holding governments and the agencies within it to account for their abuse of authority, as well as those in the private sector that governments worked with to accomplish that goal, beautiful thing to see. Next up, we have federal lawmakers who just this week introduced legislation that would require food manufacturers that sell packaged infant and toddler foods to routinely test their finished products for toxic heavy metals and bacterial contamination. And it's kind of like a, it's like a no-duh kind of bill. And because I was like, this is kind of a, like a duh, like this should just be a thing. Like there should, if you're going to sell food en masse, there should be some sort of regulation to ensure its safety. And when I researched this out, yes, this has been a bill that's been proposed and just repackaged. Whether it'll get through this time, I don't know. I'm just happy that it's before the House yet again. The bill itself is called Improving Newborns Food and Nutrition Testing Safety or the Infants Act of 2023. And it seeks to amend the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. And like I said, it would require manufacturers to to conduct quarterly testing of their products for three different elements. And this proposed legislation, it comes amid an ongoing FDA investigation that found at least 64 cases of potential lead poisoning in children under the age of six, who are the most vulnerable to lead poisoning, who ate, I believe it was like apple, some kind of applesauce pouch. And the bill was actually proposed by a Democrat from Ohio, Representative Emilius Sykes. I'm not in favor of a ton of regulation as a conservative, but there has to be some sort of regulation if product is going to be sold en masse. There has to be some baseline and testing for for toxic elements is something that I can get behind. Does that mean that I'm behind what this bill could inspire in the future? Not necessarily, but you have to have some sort of baseline of regulation. And for that, I'm happy to see this come out. Like, for example, Europe has incredibly high standards of regulation for their food products. Food is what contributes to the makeup of our bodies. And so I think this is an important bill to have before the House. Whether it goes through or not, time will tell. Now, I wanted to briefly touch on the Epstein documents being released. I'm not going to talk a lot about it. I just wanted to say 
there were 180 or so names that were released of those associated with Jeffrey Epstein. And no name was really a shocker, to be honest. Like we already knew a ton of the names. Um, Cernovich over on Twitter, we follow each other. I really enjoyed his commentary. And when the announcement, the name should be released, I was like, well, yeah, but nobody's going to Nobody's going to go after these people, especially the U.S. government. Everybody knows about this and come to find out that there's actually two names that have been withheld from that list of about 180 names that were released. So I'm not going to hold my breath that there's going to be any kind of action against these people. You have to also suss out who was actually committing crimes against children, who was involved in trafficking, who was not. So this can be a decades long march towards justice, which I'm always in favor of. But the fact remains, the FBI is highly involved in this case. And when they raided Epstein's residence, they took documents from there. And no documents have not seen the light of day since. So am I happy that names got released? Absolutely. People should be held accountable, but will they? So this is this is a good thing, but it's not the end of the story. This isn't this isn't the end result that we should we should be like, yes, they released the documents. This is this is it. Now everybody's gonna now justice is gonna be achieved. No, unfortunately, that's not how this works, especially with the types of people with who are involved in all this. We can be happy that at least the world knows now those who are associated with Epstein. But that's kind of about it. So win for some people, not a win for others. Thought I'd plug it in there. Next up, Universal Pictures has officially finally, surpassed Disney as the top grossing studio at the 2023 box office. I first found out about this yesterday when I was doing a little bit of research for today's podcast. And and what sparked me towards delving into this a little bit deeper is when, when somebody sent me over on Instagram this clip of the new director of Star Wars. She's from Pakistan and she's a woman of color and just it's all virtue signaling. It's disgusting. But I was like, oh, I wonder how like how last year's box office profits went with Universal compared to Disney. And I found ah, Universal actually did surpass Disney. Which, if you know me well, you know that I have not watched a lot of film. I generally have stuck to documentaries and stories that are based upon real life events. I don't like like Super Mario Brothers or Barbie or what else is there. Some of the more fantastical movies have never really been my thing, but this year I've been exposed to a few other movies and have been pleasantly surprised. But with that being said, back to the story. <laughs> Oppenheimer and a few other films that I've watched were produced by Universal and they amassed $4.9 billion in ticket sales as opposed to Disney, who came out with Guardians of the Galaxy and The Little Mermaid. I did actually watch The Little Mermaid and was not really super pleased with it. It was just, all I could see was like virtue signaling. If they had not promoted the film based upon their virtue signaling, then I think I would have actually enjoyed it more. All that to say, Disney produced $4.8 in ticket sales. So a little bit of a poor performance for Disney compared to Universal. A lot of conservatives say that this is because of Disney going woke, and I don't doubt that that is a, an element to it. So I, I think that did serve Universal well. Hopefully Bob Iger from the CEO of Disney learns from their mistakes. I don't, I doubt he will. They're just big corporations like Disney will just march forward with their own agenda that they've set in stone now. But who's to say that a new CEO can't come in and flip the script, quite literally. 
good rule of thumb. If you want to make money, just don't woke yourself. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Good News Report. If you'd like to support this podcast and the mission of it, you follow over on Instagram at the Matea Murda podcast or through Cash App and PayPal at Matea Murda. With that, take care.